Hi, my name is Fred Cook. Hi, this is Ruro Donoghue. Hey, this is Dave Moore. Hi, this is Aaron Brown. Hi, this is Charlie Wynn. Hi, this is Ethan Lee. Hi, this is Derek O'Boyle. Hi, we're Relish. Hey, this is Mal from the Riptoid Movement. Hi, this is David Nolan from Human Performance Advancement. And you're listening to the Dan Kill Wellness Project Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> episodes of the Dan Kill Wellness Project podcast. I'm sitting here with one of my favourite poets and writers, Miss Hazel Hogan. She's also a great friend of mine. Hazel, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. My pleasure. My Appreciate pleasure. It. So we've been trying to do this for about 18 months yeah. and we finally got here four days before you leave Ireland. Before I moved to Canada. Yeah. Before you go to Canada. Are you excited about your upcoming trip? Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be good. Why Canada? Um, to be honest, it was a gut feeling. Okay. Um, I was kind of deciding whether or not to stick around Dublin and continue poetry, or go to college in Sligo. Ah. Then I just thought, why not Canada? Let's see what's out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how for the listeners, I would like to explain how me and you met, and it was through former guest of this podcast, Colin Keegan runs a writers retreat called the King Fisher's Writers Retreat in Ashford. Ashford, yeah, I think, in County Wicklow every July. And two years ago, me and my mum decided to sign up to the retreat after Colm had been a guest on the podcast. And it was the best thing me and my mum have ever done to the point where we did it again the year after. But the first time we did it, um, myself and Hazel had to sit down and you had to critique or you had to... We had to have a conversation. Yeah. And... One person speaks and the other person listens, and then the person who listened is tasked with writing a poem, a poem or a piece of writing yeah. or something that reflects the conversation that was had. And I spoke to you about my job and my experience with Focus Ireland and working with homeless families at the time. Yeah. I think I'd still been working with families experiencing homelessness. And what you came back with was, uh, it made me cry <laughs> hard. Yeah. Um, because it really showed me that you really valued what I, what my experience was and that you really listened. And it was a yeah. beautiful moment for me. Yeah, it was for me too. I love just listening to people. What's your memory of that particular exchange? Um, I remember that I was asking you about your tattoos because uh, I was really interested in them. And um, I think, do you have a tattoo of a lighthouse? Um, no, it's no. kind of like a... It's some kind of... A guitar, feathery kind of... Oh. I remember we got talking, there was something about a lighthouse that, I remember I wrote a poem and one of the lines was, you are a lighthouse because you just seem like this shining light. Oh yeah, that's when I started crying. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Yeah, yeah no, it, I don't think that was in relation to any tattoos that I have. I think that was the, the image that came into your head when I was describing the work that me and my colleagues do. Yeah, that's it. And I think you mentioned that you kind of hadn't really talked to many people who had been doing that work at that point. I know you've done a lot of really positive stuff for the housing crisis in in the yeah. time since that moment happened. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just feel like it was it was an amazing experience to be told to sit down with somebody and have them listen to you and then have them write something. Yeah. And I sat down with an eighty ninety two year old lady. Philomena. Yeah. 
and had to write something about her story. I'm sure I was even crying writing my own yeah. one there, you know. So it was, it was a really, it was a really beautiful experience. Like mm. we're talking about wellness here. That I mean, it doesn't really get any better. Than it really doesn't. doesn't. Like listening to people is so sacred and so yeah. so important to wellness. Yeah, and then to be able to, I suppose, put put that into a creative process that you develop yourself and then express it and have had the other person hear it. It's quite a profound thing. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, that weekend was beautiful. Yeah, shout out to Colin Keegan for running a wonderful writer's retreat every year in July. Give him a message on Facebook or look out for his post regarding this year's one. I think it's going to be happening in, again, the Kingfisher Writer Retreat is what it's called. Yeah. So, Hazel, tell me about your creative uh, process. Um... So I've been writing since I was a child, so it was always something that I would have turned to, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, whenever I have a feeling or emotion, I just sit down with a piece of paper and just start what I like to call flow. Um, just okay. just keep writing and see what you get out of it. Sometimes it's not great and you can't really put words to paper in the way that you would want to but then sometimes you just hit the nail on the head and you're like oh that that's what i needed to write that's what i needed okay so yeah. are you, so you're blind writing is that what it's called or is it is it like you're literally just writing without thinking before you write yeah or are you processing emotions and then putting words onto that or, or both? a bit of both yeah 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 so um it would depend but that that's what i like to do i don't really like to um sit, like sit down with expectations like I will have things in my mind that I'm I want to write about yeah but I, I think I think anything written down is better than a blank piece of paper and, and that's kind of what I try to go for when I'm trying to go for a creative process that's beautiful and I think that you make such an important point about like because a lot of people including myself would have a block when it comes to expression on paper yeah be that a lack of confidence or lack of experience but what you just said there impacted me quite a bit in that you shouldn't sit down with expectation. Yeah. That kind of removes all of those blocks. Exactly. Right. Um, Isn't it? Yeah. So anything anything that you write that comes from yourself and from the truest part of yourself is never going to be wrong. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. That, that's what writing is for. It's about connecting to yourself and connecting to other people. And that can never be wrong. Like it might not be the next Ulysses or the next James Joyce but if it if it's true then it, it's worth something and it means something absolutely and I think the more that one can go into any endeavor or any creative process with that intention at the start it'll help them develop their own process yeah yeah like yeah. there there is nothing scarier than a white blanket page but <laughs> or, a, just, or a white blank word document. Yeah. <laughs> but just just start going and see where it takes you like it's like going on an adventure you just put one foot in front of the other and then see where you go feel the fear and do it anyway yeah exactly and tony robbins who's gotten a lot of stick lately for some actions that he's done but i'm always talking about his process of he writes for the waste paper basket <laughs> so he actually goes the opposite direction or he advises people who are creatives to go the opposite way they go right assuming that you're going to be throwing out yeah what you're writing i'm kind of pushing back I push back against that a little bit yeah because then you're setting up the expectation of us to not be good yeah so I much prefer your your approach to writing without expectation 
that's a much nicer way to put it. It's probably the same thing that he's talking it's, about. It's similar, yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. Because then you're planting the seed and then the flower can grow yeah. out of that. Yeah. Or it'll take its time to grow and it might be just a bit meh for a while. Yeah. But if you keep doing it... <laughs> yeah. It's like what Colin Keegan said recently in an article. He's like, your fucking flower and your job is to grow. <laughs> like, I love that. I, I love, love that, that so well. much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, and I, I loved his um, poem that he wrote about getting the bus across the city. Oh, my God, yeah. Wasn't that beautiful? Yeah, unbelievable. Check out Colin Keegan's poetry. It will knock you yeah. for six. So, come here, tell me when did you start realising that, ooh, people like what I'm writing here. What's that all about? Like, um, what was that whole dynamic like for you? Uh, oh, it's something that I'm still going to You're in that now. Yeah, like I like I say to people, like I've always wanted to be a writer ever since I was like a child and there was other things that distracted me from that, but that was what I've always wanted to do. And I, I sometimes say to my closer friends, it's like if I ever thought that like I would be up on stage with other writers that I really admire at this age. Like who? And, and like who? Uh, like the likes of Colin Keegan, Dave yeah. Lorden, Carl Parkinson, Emma yeah. Kerwin. Yeah. The poet Jeff, Aaron Fornoff, the Go Go Heart, so Aaron the, this, this Tannum, kind of all took you by surprise. Yeah, like I'm, I'm just so like thankful and grateful, and um, yeah, it's just really. And you're nice. riding the wave of it at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But like, t- talk to me though about when, like, that initial point of when you realised, okay, Emma Kerwin, Colin Keegan, they're these guys are heroes of mine. And they're really into my shit. <laughs> what <laughs> the fuck? It's, it's like Michael Jackson ringing me up and saying, yo, I really like your dancing, Dan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Um, well, it's like, got to be overwhelming. Yeah, it, it is. I try not to dwell on it too much. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, like, it, it kind of happens when, like, Emma Kirwan asks me to do his stage at Body and Soul and I'm just sitting there nearly... Shaking. Shaking and just being like, oh, my God, is this real? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just things like that, like people ask you to come to do gigs and yeah. you're really thankful and you're like, wow, people actually want to hear what I have to say. I suppose what I'm trying to get to yeah. with this line of questioning, Hazel, yeah. is it can be difficult when it's something that you're just, it's like breathing for you, I think. And then you might realise how good what you're putting out there is. And then all of a sudden you kind of go, oh, oh this is actually good. And then your confidence grows. Yeah. And then Does that change how you write? Um, like do you do you, you begin to write with expectation and have to pull yourself back a bit? Yeah, like I think it does add the pressure of like, oh, people actually think I'm okay, so it has to be good. Yeah. But um, yeah, I try not to think about that. But um, it's difficult. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's difficult, and I, I do appreciate that it, it's just happening for you right now. So yeah. maybe uh, upon reflection in twenty years, yeah, <laughs> you might be able to, to see it a bit clearer yeah. in your mind. Yeah. So what's the poetry scene like over in in Canada? Do you know? Have you sussed it out I before you go? Or I haven't sussed it out very much, but um, I it was nice little coincidence because the week that I get there there's a poetry festival on what yeah like I tell me you didn't plan that no I didn't but yeah the whole thing has just been coincidence after coincidence after beautiful happenstance yeah it's like it's meant to be or something but yeah the week I get there I arrive in Vancouver the next day there's a week long poetry festival yeah I'm just gonna go and hopefully meet some nice poets and listen to some new poets brilliant yeah any like will there be opportunities for you to perform or do you want to? 
I don't think I do, to be honest. I think I just be nice to be on the other side for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's been a long time that I've just gone to open mic and sat back and listened rather than being really nervous because I have to be on in 20 minutes. So I'm going to just enjoy listening to people. And What is that like for you? What, like it's, do you get very nervous before performing? Uh, yeah, like, I, yeah, I think the nerves are always going to be the same, Like, but I think you get better at, at dealing with them. Yeah. Um, like the first time I ever performed, I was shaking, but then as soon as I started, it all just went away. And yeah. I was able to like get into that. Yeah, it's a, it's very similar to acting, and I'm doing a show with my yeah. mom at the moment. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, we're doing a show at the Mo Theatre in Nice, and it's interesting because I've done so many acting, amateur dramatic stage yeah. shows um, that now I I feel a slight twinge maybe before I go on stage, but yeah. pretty much no nerves anymore. Yeah. Um, but back when I started ten years ago. Yeah. felt impossible like how how is this possible why did i sign up for this <laughs> no, what, what am i doing <laughs> yeah this is the uh, this is the opposite of wellness yeah and the gas thing about it is and you you'll probably echo what i'm saying is when it's over that's the definition of wellness yeah because you've grown yeah 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 i didn't actually think that that's why it is yeah because you pushed your boundaries and wanted to do something that you really yeah really admired and then that's exactly what it is so you've actually put a brick on your wall yeah you've kind of developed in some way that you may not be able to put words on mm-hmm. hmm. yeah. see this is why i want the job of the podcast <laughs> so many revelations all the way through but that's a beautiful so that's what was happening yeah like am i am i on you know in eloquent mind i was thinking oh that was just deadly yeah and I was happy enough with that. That was a great experience. I felt very alive. But yeah. actually it was growing. Yeah. Like there's vulnerability. Uh, there's strength in vulnerability. Yeah. I think that's that's something that you gain from putting yourself out there and then it goes well and you're really happy with your performance. And And is that your experience with performance and poetry? Uh, I think so. I think a lot of it would have been would be that, yeah. So every time that you feel those butterflies half an hour beforehand and then deliver the way you'd like to deliver you feel like that you've grown as a person afterwards yeah and I especially think that would have been uh, would have been um, one of the things that pushed me towards actually performing for poetry was trying to just develop myself and gain some confidence and, okay yeah was it did you spend a lot a lot of years kind of writing vigorously with absolutely no intention of performance yeah like I never. And so this is a new era, a new facet of your experience, then. Yeah, like I never would have thought that I'd be on stage in front of people performing. What? No, I never. I just wrote because I loved it, and that's what I felt I was here to do. You wrote without expectation. Yeah. Without expectation of a stage. Yeah. And also without expectation of what's going to come onto the page. Mm-hmm. See, I'm a poet. <laughs> and you didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't a clue. <laughs> True, I don't. <laughs> I really, yeah, this is good stuff, you know, I really can feel that when you're talking about writing without expectation, I have a piano in my bedroom, a guitar, and I have pens and paper all over the yeah. place, it's great, yeah. but I really, I really do need to work on that, how I view what I'm about to do just before I do it, because I think that, that if I can adopt your approach of creating without expectation i think that a lot of people could benefit from adopting that approach in terms of 
being able to like maybe not get rid of all of their fear, but certainly park it to the side, or or even use the fear as a driver forward. Yeah. Like feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. As cliche as that sounds, but like. Write the fear. Yeah, write the fear. You know, so many people have the fear of the unknown. Go out and find out what that is. Yeah. You know, there's exciting stuff there. Yeah. There's so much in that. Yeah. It's so powerful. I think. I believe in, you know, that I came into contact through you, through Colin, sorry, to you and Dave Lord and through Colin and Carl Parkinson and Emma Kerwin. And I just cannot get over the stuff that's been put out there in yeah. relation to everything that's going on in Ireland at the moment. Yeah. You know, it's a difficult time for a lot of people, particularly coming up to the Eighth Amendment. Yeah. And um, what what is what's it been like for you being you know a creative person in this wellspring of creativity that's fighting back against a very difficult issue? Oh, it's amazing! I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those times where it's like I'm happy that I'm alive in Dublin right now because of yeah. what's going on. Like I I saw Emma Kirwan, he was performing at the Gate Theatre last month. Um, the nighttime shows. Even, yeah, the maybe? nighttime shows. Yeah. Um, I went and saw him, and if you get the chance, go and see Emma Kieran live because he will knock you. I'm currently but, hounding him for an hour of his time. Oh, for the do podcast it! As yeah, well. he'd be amazing. Um, but then I've heard great things about that. Yeah, like what, he, what was it like? He oh, it was electric. Like I, I just felt so energized, and um, like he had this line, something along the lines of, "You're lucky that we're throwing poetry at you and not Molotov cocktails," mm-hmm. and I just felt like that summed up the creativity and like what Ireland is going through at the minute with the referendum and all the things that we're trying to fight for it's like we are trying to use our words against the politicians and all of the you know the the power holders yeah the power holders yeah what he describes there is it's the same emotion that the person who's throwing the poetry who throws the Molotov cocktail in wherever else in the world the exact same dynamic is going on yeah. In the mind. Mm-hmm. So it is a beautiful way to, and we are lucky. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful way to describe it. And, you know, the given what's going on at the moment, I think we are very lucky to have all of you guys really putting it up. Yeah. We need people to listen, don't we? Yeah, people are listening. I yeah. believe so. Yeah. I believe so. Um, we have the housing crisis at the moment, which I know you've been involved in yeah. <laughs> campaigning against, and you've, you've written a bit of stuff around that as well haven't you yeah what, and why does that feel why does that make you feel so strongly like where does that come from oh just it's just a human right and it's just so inhumane that we have such a a large country with so many resources it just is baffling that not everyone has a home to call their own yeah. Like, I know you work in Folks Ireland, so you would know more than about this than me, and you would see yeah, but that's pretty much it. the daily impact. But yeah, it's just... And I think that there's, not the majority, but certainly there's a, a strong minority of people who think that if a mammy and daddy and twins and another infant are living in a hotel room, we're sure they have a roof over their heads. What yeah. are they complaining about? No, like, there's, there's a... It's trite... Yeah, there's it's a structure of needs and people's needs just aren't being met. Yeah, and you can't... You have to wash your dishes in the bath if they find out that you're eating 
in the room or cooking in the room off an electric appliance, you get in trouble. Really? Like, there's no way to... It, yeah, and there's nowhere for the kids to play. Yeah. There's huge impact of families in this situation, huge impact of that situation on the children's development. Yeah, like, how are they meant to go to school and do their homework if they have to do on the end, hotel bed? On those little hotel tables, you yeah. know, the little table with the chair that you get in your hotel room that never makes sense to me why it's there anyway. Yeah. But it, at least it provides a table and chair for a kid to do his homework. Yeah. But no, it, it's it's um, it's absolutely horrendous. And I think that attitude of, sure, they have a roof over their heads, it completely undermines the complexities of the difficult situation yeah. that families are in, particularly yeah. at the moment. So you're right. It is an issue that we should all be passionate about. Yeah. The difficulty for me working in that area is it feels like we're never going to get the change that is needed so tell me hazel yeah. how do we what can we do in that situation we can't give up yeah definitely do not give up like um so what do we do as people who care and people who are passionate about it just make it known that you care yeah like i've i've never been in that situation but i imagine if i was i would just um i wouldn't want people to forget their humanity like if you like if you see people sitting on the street like give them a smile let them know that you see them like like if you watch someone and like if you sit with someone who's on the streets you'll notice that people like avert their eyes and pretend that they don't see you yeah. and I think I think that's the worst of all like I just I don't understand that like a couple of weeks ago I was walking on O'Connell Street and it was about half eight at night I was walking home to get the bus and I saw a lad crying in the middle of O'Connell Bridge um, and I instantly just felt so angry that no one had stopped people were just walking, walking by and then I was just like this is not on like why in in this time do we have this so then I realised that I can stop so I stopped and at the same time someone else stopped and we just sat with him for about 20 minutes he was um, he was only just recently hom- homeless um, his mother had died um, in the year. It was his mother's anniversary. And he had two black eyes. He told us that he, um, every time he, he checked into a hostel, he would just get beaten up and robbed. And he was only 22 from Ballyfermot. Had tried to go to college, but couldn't keep it up because he couldn't, he didn't have a roof over his head. And we tried to do what we could, tried to get him some food um, and a cup of tea. But like, there's only so much that that can do. And in the end, he just asked us to be alone. And yeah, that guy has stuck with me for, for the last few weeks. Yeah. Like, wondering how he is. Because it's, it's just... And I asked you, what can we do? Yeah. That's what we can do. Yeah. I'm not saying that getting him the food and drink, you know, or giving him the change is what we can do. It's the time that you gave him. Yeah. And it's, like I said to you and your mom before we came on, on air here it's in all of my time working in this area or coming across people in desperate situations the nicest thing you can say is are you okay yeah exactly how are you yeah i know that's it can sound so too simplistic no there's but the more that that happens then there can be change and then there can be a wellspring of you know movement towards a better society to live in but you, you have no idea how impactful that would have been for him hopefully like yeah i just hope that guy's okay you know yeah. and then you sit back and you think about all the other 
thousands of people like him that you didn't come across. Yeah. And there's been a few others. Like, I remember this guy yeah. just after Christmas. Uh, he was freezing on the side of Marion Row. And um, I had just finished recording something with Miles O'Reilly. And it, it was a poem about homelessness. And I was feeling really emotional after doing that poem. And yeah. he, I was putting money into his cup. And then he kind of said to me, oh, are you the girl who gave me the sandwich last night? And I was like, no, no, I'm not. But... Uh, how are you? And then we just got chatting <laughs> and um, I ended up sitting with him. I was like, would you like a cup of tea and would you mind if I sat with you? And I ended up sitting with him for about an hour. Um, okay. He told me his life story. I, I told him a little bit of mine. Um, but he was the nicest guy. Like His name was uh, Dono and he came from Dublin and his brother was a rugby player for like the Ireland squad but he had gotten into you know, uh, an abusive relationship and, and drugs and yeah. He had a daughter um, that he couldn't see and I just remember chatting to him and we it was like we'd made this like just a nice little connection and he like was just really I don't know we just really enjoyed each other's company. Yeah yeah I get, I get, sense, you know I get I mean? the sense of what you're saying here and so it wasn't just a 10 minute sit down how are you is there yeah. I can do for you yeah and that's it this was very meaningful. Indeed. Yeah it really was like I he he was kind of saying like, oh, like, I really hope you find a, a like a nice lad and like settle down and like have a nice life. Like you seem like a great girl. And I was just like, I wish I could help you. Like, I wish the same for you. Like if I can bring you home now, if my mom would kill me, I would. Um, and then I took his number because I, I wanted to like meet him again. And then yeah. uh, then I actually ran into him the next week. I was running for the bus, the night link. <laughs> Uh, home and I saw him and I was like, "Oh, Donald, that's a girl, like, like an old friend." Okay, I'm gonna stop you. Oh, yeah. Tell me, he remembered. Yeah, he remembered. Oh my yeah. god! No, he did. Yeah, <laughs> and then, um, like he even offered me to get like my bus fare home, and I was just like, "No, you're crying." It's like, absurd. Yeah, it, it just it's just not fair. Yeah. Sorry. No, this is exactly why I asked you the question. Yeah. Um. I think that the way you describe that, like that's such a beautiful interaction and I can't wait to hear the poem that comes out of it. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to write one actually. Did you? Yeah, yeah it was. Like yeah. when you have when you have experiences, like is your poetry based in your life experiences? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, okay, yeah. so if, if you have an experience like that one, for example, is there a time frame... In, like in which you would like to write something to reflect what happened or do you just let it simmer and let it, let it come up whenever it, it comes up or that, not yeah or let not. it simmer and let it come up whenever it comes up uh, like there's things that I, I still haven't written about that I want to and it's like well it doesn't really feel like the time so it will happen when it happens yeah because I feel oh, so much of the time I feel very strong emotions and it's part of my own mental health wellness yeah management plan <laughs> yeah. to put a too official term on it but I just, it's so often that I feel compelled to write my ideas yeah. and if I don't write them down in a notebook there and then or in my notes on my phone there and then they kind of they kind of wither away into the ether yeah. until something reminds me of them again yeah. so what I'm trying to get much better at is not forgetting the ideas yeah because that's tricky isn't it yeah like it's important to get the page it onto the page like I remember someone I heard someone say um that a poem it's you like a steam train and it's your job to just run for the nearest piece of paper and drag it back through you 
Whoa. Get it onto the page. Drag it back through. Yeah. Write it backwards if you have to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you get hit by the yeah. train. Yeah. And it's your responsibility as a, as a creative, as a writer, yeah. as a poet, to drag it back through you. Yeah. And then in the less <laughs> in a less poetic way, but I just have to mention it. Do it. At Colin Keegan's book launch, he said, "Sometimes you just walk into a room and there's a poem there." And he was like, "Sometimes it's just like walking into a fact." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Colin, deadly!" <laughs> like it really that's is exactly like that. What it is. Yeah, yeah. So it really does hit you like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's like because I feel like a lot of people who are listening who are, are maybe frustrated writers or or like myself are are they know that they can write decent stuff yeah. but don't yeah. for whatever for the reasons that I outlined earlier on that yeah. I'm trying to work out. I feel like you know there can be a blueprint to help people get over that. Yeah. Because I I I reckon that in, like a lot of us will have experiences where we feel like we've been hit by a steam train. In a positive way yeah. and a neutral way and a, and a negative way. Yeah. And there's just so much potential for creativity in those moments. Yeah, exactly. When the adrenaline is pumping. Yeah, and like creativity is like a well. Um, like the more you dig into it, the deeper it becomes. So are you, would you advise people to do it every day? Uh, I don't want to advise anyone to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> to be Let absolutely me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. If somebody is listening and yeah. they thought that they wanted to develop this area of their life and you know feel better in themselves and be creative is that a good strategy yeah like do whatever you feel is best like um one thing what that, works for you though and um, one thing that really helps me um was uh, a book called the artist's way and normally i wouldn't uh, buy into these kind of things but it was genuinely really good the artist's way yeah um, um, do you know who writes it Julia Cameron, I think. Okay. Um, and why? What was so good about this? So she, she makes you do a few things, but the one thing that I got from it was the minute you wake up out of bed, just uh, grab a piece of paper and write three pages of just whatever comes into waffle. your head. Yeah, just waffle. <laughs> just three pages. That's all. And so how soon are we talking after you wake up here? Because like I'm incapable of holding a pen for <laughs> seven or eight minutes. Yeah. Well, as soon as you can, like, but don't like. <laughs> I don't know. Don't write and drive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the way to work, like, yeah. So as soon as you physically can. Yeah. And I, I did that for about six months, and it was the most creative time of my life. Like, I wrote four of my, like, poems that I still perform today and stuff, and I, I did stand up comedy in that time as well. Wow. And, yeah. So, so are you saying that that's where your best stuff has come from? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Just, why did you stop? <laughs> I know, yeah. That's what I have to ask myself Dude, too. No, I have to do it again. You've got this is your reminder for yourself. Yeah, no, yeah, because I, I like. But that I, I am interested in that. So because I, t- I on my Instagram and my Facebook, thank you, wellness project. Yeah. Again, I talk a lot about how I manage my own wellness in relation to the things I do. Yeah. And the things I don't do that I know I should be doing. Yeah, like I'm and then like I go too. through phases of being so consistent and yeah, like I have this. I do have an actual page of about fifteen things that it basically is. If it says at the top, if you are feeling shit, yeah, and you are not doing the below fifteen things every day or every week or whatever, yeah. then that's why you're feeling shit. That makes so much sense. 
But it doesn't mean I do them. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, how do we get to that point where we consistently do what we know we need to all of the time? Or is there ever a point you get to that? Oh, I've never gotten to that point. But Maybe we don't need to. Yeah, it's it's not. Maybe we need the absence of it. Yeah. For us to appreciate it. Appreciate it and really kind of believe that it it is good for us in our life. Yeah. Wellness is an ongoing thing. Like you're not always gonna feel well. Yeah. It's like you're not always gonna feel happy. You know? Yeah. You just gotta keep trying, like just keep trucking along. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, it's an interesting thing, and I'm, I'm always analysing this stuff through talking to beautiful people like yourself on this podcast, and, you know, um, chatting on my pages and getting emails and texts about like, do we have to be feeling good all of the time? Of course not. Yeah. It's actually necessary that we don't. Yeah. Excellent. It's what you do, I suppose. What I certainly do when I'm not feeling good is I have a tendency to feel like it's going to last forever. Yeah. And then ever again. <laughs> until the point where it doesn't last forever and I go, oh shit, it yeah. didn't last forever. Yeah. What I'm trying to do now is get ahead of that oh shit moment. Yeah. Where I'm feeling like really shit on a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. I don't have a clue why. I don't have the energy to find out. <laughs> Just general malaise really down. So what I'm developing skill of is recognizing that in that moment that it is going to pass yeah this instead of the pass. Th- yeah yeah instead of the thought of oh god it's gonna last forever, forever. <laughs> i'm just gonna be sad forever and it's hard to develop that skill yeah, yeah. because you're it's it's nearly like my brain thinks in a completely different way when i'm not feeling good yeah you know so i don't know can you relate to that a little bit yeah 100 percent. like the thing that i tell myself now is because through all the bad times in my life, I have only become a stronger person for them. Mm. And I'm actually, in hindsight, really thankful yeah. for everything um, that's ever happened to me. So whenever something is bad, I kind of, you know, try to sit with it. And then, like, when I know I'm coming to the end of it, I, like, give myself a challenge and make myself grow. That's beautiful. Like when you perform. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> that would be an example of a challenge that you've through yeah the brick is on the wall then the next brick is on the wall yeah like the year that I got into performing poetry I am I had had a I'd had a rough few years with like some mental health stuff yeah yeah Um, and then um, I kind of decided and I didn't tell anyone at the time that was really important to me um, that I didn't tell anyone it was just for myself for a whole year yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. You didn't tell anyone that you had been feeling down, is oh, it, no. or, or that you were making this decision? Making this decision. Okay. So the decision was that I was I was going to do one thing that absolutely scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Once yeah. a month. Um, Once a month. Okay, good. For an entire year. So at this, it started with like little things, like I don't know, ask the boy that you like on a date and see how that goes. Yeah. Um, and then kind of it grew that and grew. That is fucking scary. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Oh my God. Did yeah. you say yes? No. Oh, the bollocks. <laughs> no, I don't even think I did. I was, that was just an example. <laughs> like I literally only asked a guy that I liked on a date for the first time last week. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, no, it's going grand. Sure. Fab, fab, fab. Okay, that's, but, uh, that's, that's enough of your personal life. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Breaking no. news. So I'm back here on this project. Um, no, but like. Yeah, so you were setting out that for a year. You've just, Bear in mind, I'm, I'm quite amazed by the fact that you were still in the difficult mental health management phase and you managed to make this decision you kind of yeah. realized you're coming out of it yeah 
which is awesome feeling, by the way. Yeah, it is. And then you you got the strength to make this decision yeah. to scare the shit out of yourself <laughs> yeah. once a month. Yeah, so so give us other examples of what you decided to do. So if, like, if you care to share, I I decided to move out. I moved into a squat, which was a bit mad, but I did it anyway, and it was one of the best things that I've ever done. What? And then I uh, did stand up comedy, and that was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Would you do it again? Hundred percent. Well, I don't think I'm funny enough, though. Oh, you're pretty funny. <laughs> goofy. <laughs> <laughs> you have a certain goofy charm. Yeah, I, I literally think that's the only way I got away with it. And then through doing stand up, I then decided that I wanted to perform poetry. And then through that, I set up my own poetry night. And then, yeah, that Brilliant. was that was kind of the end of the year then. But I'd grown so much as a person. Like I, I think that is just wonderful. I love that's that's a strategy. That's so tangible. That's something that anybody could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm totally gonna do this. Do it! Like it was amazing. I'm gonna go home this evening before I go on stage and write out for the next twelve months. Something the 12 that scares things. you. What? Something that scares the shit out of me. Is there one thing you can think of that I can think of right now? Um. <laughs> it's a good. I don't, like, nothing comes to mind, but I know that it's there. It's kind of simmering there. I can't. Well, it'll yeah. be something to do with playing the piano. I think oh, or nice. writing a, yeah. and performing a song publicly. Yeah. Because I'm learning the piano at the moment, so yeah. I mean that's the only thing that immediately comes to mind. Yeah. If I was to sit down with you for another hour, half hour, I'm sure there's loads of yeah. other things. But I'm I'm gonna keep in touch with you on this. Yeah. Like for myself, I, I didn't decide 12 things in a row. I kind of just said, look, I'll do one thing and then I'll kind of feel it out and see what the next thing is. And if it doesn't scare me, then scrap it. But if it like, okay, if I'm like, oh. you know, like my heart's beating and it's like, okay, that's the next thing. And then it just grew and grew and grew. That's amazing. But so do you, do you do that as a natural habit now? Uh, well, I suppose moving to Canada is pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's up there. Yeah, um, but I, I kind of stopped. And actually, a lot of the listeners that would be regular listeners to this podcast yeah. are from all over Canada. Oh, so really? they will welcome you with beautiful open oh, arms. Thanks. Let's go eat maple syrup and pancakes together. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just love that. Yeah. You know why I think I, can't, I couldn't respond to you asking, can I think of anything right now? Yeah. It's because I think that I've conditioned myself to avoid it so hard that yeah. even bringing the idea to the surface yeah like i'm so conditioned in myself to not do things that are outside of my comfort zone yeah so that's yeah you've given me a really good oh, positive cool. thought here it's, it's really excellent i think yes. the listeners as well will get a lot out of that just do, it's just so simple do something that scares you and it also i think it's quite a quite a therapeutic thing as well isn't yeah. it yeah yeah it is and, and one thing that I found really important was I didn't tell anyone, like no one knew. Okay. So it wasn't like, I, I didn't have anyone to answer to or no one would ask me like, oh, what did you do? And like it was all just for myself and for my own development. Interesting. You know? Ah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So you did so you did stand up and didn't, no, none of your friends knew you were doing it. Well, they knew that I was doing it, but they didn't know the reason behind it. You know, they just saw me doing it and came even more interesting okay yeah. so you can share to a certain extent what you were engaging in yeah but not the reason behind it yeah like why was that so important to you because uh, i think well there's one thing that i read before that if you tell someone your goals it's nearly enough to not do them because you have that rush of oh i did it because you said it out loud 
at all. It's nearly enough to not do them. Yeah, apparently, yeah, I've read that. Okay, so if say you said out of goal, and you tell your yeah. best friend. So hey Dan, I'm gonna write a novel. <laughs> oh, I feel great now. I just told someone I was gonna read. Now I don't have to write the novel. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so and then every six months I'll be like, hey Hayes, how's that uh how novel coming yeah, along? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, grand. Yeah, yeah, grand. Yeah. Well. That's interesting. So that it's normally the opposite. I would have thought mm. intuitively. I would take the opposite. Yeah. Unless you tell somebody. Your intentions. So did I, yeah. But, then, but it's actually counterintuitive. Well, uh, for me anyway, yeah. Not for anyone else. But, um, wow, this is making me change my whole <laughs> approach to life. Because <laughs> yeah. I can't shut up. Yeah, that's actually, you know what it was? <laughs> I can't normally shut up about these things, so I wanted to see if I could do it without telling anyone because I would normally just blab on about it. Which, going by what you've just said there, will prevent you even more from doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And also it's a it's a challenge for yourself, like it's not for anyone else. Sometimes you just need those things for you. It's nearly sacred. Yeah. Exactly. It's sacred and special and Yeah. And then if you I'm fail feeling it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> Yeah. And then, yeah, so we're, <laughs> going, we're going to we're going on to the pluses here. Yeah. <laughs> if you fail, no one's gonna laugh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is again what scares some people the most. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, judgment from others, judgment from those around. Yeah. Like, do you have I can't imagine that you have people who push back against your poetry, do they? Uh not that I've ever or come comments and, in a negative sense. Uh <coughs> if they do they've kept them to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I've mainly only got positive. So it's not something that you've had to endure. No, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it's just brilliant to be talking to you today. I just think that I've learned so much about my own process again through this, through doing this wellness podcast. I think that what you've done and what you've begun for yourself and going abroad, and you've just given so much to Ireland. And you probably deserve a break <laughs> for a while. Yeah. It's pretty hectic at the moment, but yeah. obviously your plan is to keep writing. Right? Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Always couldn't stop. Yeah. 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 Walking on Pillbeg Street, an hour before midnight, I notice a girl huddled in a tattered blue sleeping bag, bunched against the October cold, the wind biting at her bones, with a face much like my own. We are mirrored in age, though recently our circumstances have changed. Chances a game we play. Did her last roll of the dice leave her fear and think she never thought of twice? Is she afraid she will die tonight? On these cracked cobblestone streets through which someone can slip so easily. With the howl of a banshee in her ears calling slowly. For her breath to be stolen with the cold. Before the sun can rise to give heat to her bones. Is it true that she hasn't known warmth in weeks? Is it all she can hope for in this faded out sepia toned dream? Does she ache for it as she attempts to lie down and sleep, to dream of the mundane brilliance she knew of fresh sheets in her own bed, lying in on a Sunday till whenever she pleased, not to be woken up to be told you better find another place to be, by another guard who doesn't know what best to do with the displaced people, the half-forgotten of our society? Does she find solace in all that she can, a stolen glance from a passing stranger, that person who showed her some kind behaviour, I wish I could walk by her at a different time, 
and know her circumstances mirror my own. Wonder of the story that is her life, of what gives her that bright smile, as we do ponder another place, another passerby's place in this world. Wonder where she is off to tonight. What is it that gives her love in her life? But homelessness is the story of our times. All these questions are written into the lines etched into her face, but there is hope within her eyes. As they meet mine, I see there is fire inside, hoping she will soon see better times. As I walk by her in the streetlights illumination, I wonder what I can do for her tonight. As I walk by, I acknowledge her presence in the streetlights illumination. I give her what I can and let her know that I see her. For a moment, there is connection here. We are connected in the hope that change is near. Jesus Christ. Do you remember this person? Yeah. Vividly, obviously. Yeah. She I just love the fact that you referenced that watch, even though that she was going through such a difficult thing that it was hope in her eyes. Yeah. And you saw it. Hopefully. And she saw it, that you saw it, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful, Hazel. Thanks. It's yeah. genuinely, it's mind-blowing. And it's difficult to not get teary-eyed <clears throat> on a Friday afternoon <laughs> recording a wellness podcast yeah. and you've got shit like this, that thrown at me. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to write that? So I originally wrote a smaller poem the the night that I saw her um, and it was just about her. She was reading a, a, a she was reading a book and I just thought it was so lovely that she could find a bit of home in this book and you know have a yeah. a bedtime story even though she was on the side of like Pilbeg Street in Dublin. Yeah. Uh, and then when Miles already asked me to write a poem about homelessness for his um, yeah. uh, the Saint No Disco, I then pulled it back out and just kind of remembered where I was that night and just wrote it then a year so and a half. transported yourself back into... Yeah. Sorry, a year and a half later. Yeah. Wow. Maybe two years. Which gives even more credence to the importance of get it on the page as soon as you can. Yeah. Without expectation. Yeah. And look what grew out of that 18 yeah. months later. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was also... I saw her... Um, it was opposite Apollo House a year prior to when Apollo House opened. Uh, I just thought that was yeah. something as well. Yeah, absolutely. Falling through the cracks of the cobblestones, in between the cobblestones, mm-hmm. falling through them. Yeah. I thought it was amazing because in my history of my history and my experience of working with Focus Ireland, I did a lot of work with the outreach teams before there was all the outreach teams that are on the street now. Yeah. It was just us and Dublin Simon that were four people. You know, yeah. walk covering the whole city wow. um, back in 2008, 2009. And it was so often that I would be chatting to somebody and, you know, we would offer food and, and drink and, and hot drinks and, you know, blankets, sleeping bags, stuff like that. There's so often that I would be on shift for a week and I would see someone the next, see someone one evening and never, ever see them again. Yeah. That's, I think that's why that lyric, that word really resonated with me. Yeah. And it's falling through the cracks of the of the cobbles cobblestones yeah cobblestone trees beautiful well thanks for uh, making me depressed uh, <laughs> sorry <Friday afternoon. laughs> i'm absolutely joking <laughs> no thank you so much for uh sharing sonder with us there um it is called sonder right yeah sonder for her yeah and also thank you for 
welcoming me welcoming me into your home nice. um and your lovely mom yeah. welcomed me in as well thanks to her um i want to give a shout out to colin keegan emmett Kerwin, carl parkinson dave lorden who have all been yeah. obviously huge influences on you yeah. and who they are now your peers which must feel quite amazing if you are looking to get into irish poetry or poetry from irish artists all of those names including the beautiful hazel hogan who's beside me here are the people who you should be looking up listening to and communicating with because for me that type of creativity i know from doing the retreats and my own personal writing when you have something and are creating something like that it's impossible to not feel good yeah and sustained even yeah. more so, yeah. and loved. Yeah. Like there's something very visceral about that particular style of creativity. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. It's integral to being a human and yeah. to create. Yeah. yeah. And I look forward to following your uh, creativity journey as you go to Canada yeah. and see what experiences you have there that will impact your writing. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast, Hazel. Thanks for having me. All the best. Cheers.